This is the XC Top 5 podcast for the end of November, November 30th, 2019, coming to the end of the year. I'm joined, as always, by Alex Sear, writer, journalist, grad student. How are you doing, Alex? Oof, that's a lot of titles. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. And Andrew Crookshank. Andrew, I hear uh, you're cheating on running with volleyball lately. Yeah, I might be making the transition. Sore wrists? Oh, there, yeah. Swollen hand the other day. <laughs> Ooh, man. Two games a week. That's intense. Yeah, yeah a lot of volleyball. Uh, on this week's pod, we've got our top five stories as we see them. Uh, quick and dirty, we're going to cover doping, more doping, and uh, real fast 60-year-old runner. But first, hi guys. Sorry, I've been a little quiet um, after Chicago decided to take a nice break with my family. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's really exciting um, to be, you know, to compete at the marathon for the last couple of years. Um, to win Chicago Marathon as a major marathon, that was nice. First topic: Mo Farah on YouTube today on his YouTube channel announced that he is. Doing what in 2020, Alex? Mo Farah is, that's Sir Mo Farah. Sorry, let's Sir give credit where credit is due. The night. The night, Mr. Mo Farah, is uh, going to run the 10K, 10,000 meters at the 2020 Olympics. And uh, I think that comes as a bit of a surprise. He's been uh, try to, trying to tear up the marathon as of late, but uh, looks like he's going back to the track. Yeah, I think all plans, Andrew, were pointing towards in the last couple of years that Farah was done with the track, that he had transitioned to the roads. He was becoming Mo Farah marathoner, won Chicago a couple of years ago. I think the assumption was that he would be the man in in uh, Tokyo for, for the United Kingdom, but I guess that's not going to be the case now. Do you think, Andrew, that this is a this is by choice or he's been sort of forced into a corner here in terms of his career? It's hard not to look at this as him realizing maybe the marathon isn't quite the event uh, he thought it was going to be or, or have the success, the success in that event that he thought he was going to. Um, because he said that he was watching Doha and uh, he thought he could beat the Joshua Cheptegi who won the 10,000 meters. Um, so it feels a little bit like he wants that to reclaim that glory, have uh, have those gold medals hung around his neck again, because when he's going up against guys like Kipchoge, he just can't stand a chance with the with the two hundred five personal best in the marathon. Yeah, let's take a quick look here. It's like twenty eighteen London uh, two hundred six. He was third. Twenty nineteen London two hundred five thirty nine. He was fifth. But if you remember in that race this earlier this year, he just totally faded in the second half from the top dogs. Right, so. And then you got Chicago 2018, which is, I think, kind of the crowning achievement of his marathoning career, obviously a 205.11, which was a European and great, great British record. Great British record. record, GB record. Uh, And and then this year, of course, he didn't do well at all. He was eighth, 209.58, faded quite badly and kind of limped across the finish line. Um, The marathon world has changed this year, Alex, where... And we're now in the in the the next percent era where it's if you can't get real close to two hours and you're like quite frankly this guy's asking like a million plus to show up at your race probably he's getting paid a, a shitload of money and uh, so he's a marquee athlete but he's not 
producing marquee performances in the marathon. Yeah. I think it's it's too bad to see him go back down to the track, I think, because I think Mo Farah fans wanted to see some kind of duel between he and Kipchoge and Bikili, but it's like you say, he's not at that level right now. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be a duel because he'd get his ass kicked by he them. He would so. get his ass kicked by them. But the good thing is, Mo Farah's becoming this tragic figure because he can't put the marathon together. But let's remember that he's a four-time Olympic champion. It would be almost a shame to not see him go for the 10K win again. Right, 5K, 10K win in 2012, yep. 5K, 10K win in 2016. Right, I see I see your math. That's that's four. Yeah. It just uh, it just feels like there's something maybe in the air at Doha though because this this seems like a very similar parallel to David Rudisha's decision to suddenly hop back on the track. I mean, obviously Ferris in a, a little bit better shape than Rudisha, but I don't know. But Ferris Ferris going to be 37. Yep. Uh, which is sadly super old and on the track. <laughs> uh, Joshua Cheptegei is going to be like I think 23. He's in totally in his prime. He's slaying it right now. Won the 10k, one world cross. Uh, I think that this might be hubris and ego on Farah's part, although we'll see if that he can he can Sp- uh, uh, cast that spell that he's able to cast in a final in an, an Olympic track final where all of a sudden everyone is um, is uh, uh, demurring to him and allowing him to set the pace and allowing him to create uh, to dictate the narrative in the, in the race so and he still he was a sub 330 he's 328 1500 meter runner so the guy can close a race right so I don't know we'll see hubris and ego for a guy who puts sir on his bib I think you're way <laughs> off base okay Topic number two, WADA released a statement this week uh, indicating that they are considering, strongly considering, and will probably be recommending that Russia, the entire country, and all of its athletes uh, be what uh, for the next four years? Andrew? Yeah, they're going to be banned, Uh, or at least that's what WADA is calling for. Uh, This comes after kind of a complex system of, of attempting to defraud um, the the governing body uh, to make sure that athletes who were doping were still able to compete. Uh, they were banned in from the Winter Olympics in South Korea. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens with this one, uh, whether some athletes will be allowed to compete or whether the whole country will be banned. Uh, so Alex, uh, this is obviously with this... Pe- an upcoming Olympic year, that would mean that Russia as a country can't, won't be represented uh, nationally. But what is that? What's the implication for athletes? Yeah, so it's like we've seen before. Athletes who prove to be clean will get to compete uh, under, I think it's OAR, Olympic Athletes of Russia. They're not going to be allowed to wave the flag. Uh, and, you know, that's I think that's kind of the fair way to go, because if an athlete is clean, they shouldn't have to suffer the consequences. And as for the country, well, it, it sucks for them because, you know, that Russia has used sport as a bit of a political tool. And now they're not going to be able to do that. I think it's very much fair. They transgressed on a major level in 2014. So, you know, they have to suffer major consequences. It just makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm just reading here that uh, Travis Tigart, one of my favorite names in sport, mm-hmm. uh, the head of the USADA, the U.S. Anti-Doping uh, Association uh, or agency, I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, he he feels it's not that's not intense enough, and it, the actual there should be a across the board ban, like ban of any 
athlete from Russia as well, uh, just to to send a clear message. I'm not sure if that is reasonable or fair, as you think about, for example, in like the U.S. Uh, there is so many different training groups that are completely uh, disconnected from each other. Now, that might be a bit of a different story in Russia in terms of uh, national oversight of uh, training groups, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's a tough scenario. I, I I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I'm of like mixed opinion about this because I think that I don't really know if this actually succeeds at what it's attempting to do, which is to curtail a nation from systematically cheating. And I mean, there's incredible value apparently for Russia and other countries uh, that are using sport as a international political tool um, uh, to, to cheat. So I'm not sure if this is going to stop uh, Putin and Russia from being motivated to, to cut corners. Topic number three. Alex, what's the world record for a 60-plus woman running a marathon? Two. 59-15. Very quick. Woo! It's a new one. It was uh, set by Mariko Yugeta at the Shimonoseki Keikyo Marathon. I hope I'm saying that correctly. A couple weeks ago. So she broke the previous women's 60-plus uh, marathon by 3 minutes and 35 seconds. And for a bit of context, I went on the Masters Athletics Age graded calculator and threw her time in and set her age. And it spewed out a 2-10-14 marathon. <laughs> so like 4 minutes faster than the women's wow. okay. world record. I don't know how accurate that age grade know. calculator is, but that's still, I mean, it still means that that's a crazy, crazy time. Uh, Andrew, uh, what... what Earlier this year, uh, we know that there was there's been a couple of people that are sort of trying to go after that were trying to go after this record. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, she uh, you get to got to it first, which which is really impressive. Concerned she was going up against uh, Joan Benoit Samuelson, who was the the first ever women's Olympic marathon champion. Uh, Samuelson, who's 62 years old, ran 302 in Berlin and uh, 304 in Boston. So the fact that she beat her to it is is pretty impressive because that's some steep competition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Joni is sort of one of the the big legends of the sport, and uh, this you uh, get as pre- previous personal best was uh, two fifty eight oh five, so pretty close to her P- PR PB there. So that's that's really cool. And like final thing, and this we're getting all this from Japan Running News, which is a pretty excellent uh, resource for us English speakers here who are fascinated by all things running in Japan. It's run by uh, Brett Larner and he's been running this blog for a number of years and it's quite good. And he posted a video in the story, which is a, 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 t- a Japanese TV channel trying to interview uh, uh, Mariko about her record. And she, they found her on a track and she was doing a cut down workout of like three K, two K, one K intervals and wouldn't stop. So they just were like following her around on the track with the camera <laughs> And uh, he, he wrote down here that she ran 11.23, 7.22, and 3.33 for the final K. So, uh, wow. yeah. And that's just after uh, after breaking a, a world record, going sub three. So congratulations to you, Mariko. Topic number four, <sighs> more doping. Um, Andrew, there was a Kenyan athlete, 800-meter runner, that was uh, given a four-year ban recently 
It was announced by WADA. Uh, why is this an interesting case? Uh, yeah, it was Angela Mungutti. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because she's only 17 years old, which means she's just like a high school student. Uh, and yet she was caught for using steroids. And the crazier part, too, is that she's the 43rd Kenyan this year who's caught for doping, which, uh, which includes people like Asbel Kiprop um, and other big names. And she herself has quite the pedigree. She, she was a silver medalist at the in the 800 meters at the World Youth Games. So she's no slouch either. But, but the question is how, like as a 17-year-old, that's wild. Yeah, it's strange. Alex, um, so what was the drug that she was, she was, she was popped for using? Again, so there were two actually. Um, no, sorry, there was one. Norandrosterone is what it is, and it's a metabolite of an anabolic steroid, which is nandrolone. Gotcha. Uh, and I mean, like to 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 follow what Andrew was saying here is, uh, you can't help but think that this cannot be a a situation in isolation where this high school kid went out and purchased steroids on her own there's got to be an adult connection here there's got to be a, a coach or a adult training partner or a group that she's in um we haven't have we alex have you like tried to we haven't really tried we haven't found the the dots to connect here but obviously that's the the next step certainly for certainly for the uh, athletics integrity unit which is the over the the oversight body that's been put in place to to investigate these sorts of matters yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously a bread trail to follow. I mean, a 17-year-old doesn't get drugs on their own. When I was 17, it was a good day if I got my hands on a fruit roll-up. So I think wow. with... with uh, you guys not have those fruit roll-ups? Yeah, yeah, we've We're got just, fruit roll-ups. I wasn't sure if they made it to Ontario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, um, no, but it's it's tough because in Kenya, I think we want to hold on to this, this great, wholesome, running-is-everything image and Kipchoge perpetuated it this year and Bridget Cost guy and there's so much positive coming out of it that we have trouble accepting and believing that I think there's a doping problem going on there and well this is the kind of the latest proof 17 year old doesn't get drugs on her own so yeah. I hope there's a lot of investigation going on there I think on the upside as you said the the 43 Kenyan athletes Kenyan runners have been suspended for doping this year it's tempting to say that that's a real like a negative sign, but I actually think in a weird way it's positive when you're when you're seeing that number of positive tests because it means that their system that they now have in place is starting to take hold and work. And uh, I hate this analogy, but I hate this saying, but like root out the bad apples. Um, but yeah, no, but it, it, to indicate that this is um, it's serious that you're going to get caught and that groups that are that are uh, cheating um, are going to get exposed. I, I just want to say too, I know I'm kind of drawing this this point out and this will be taking it to its its absolute extreme. but when you have a 17 year old girl like that who is caught for doping, we obviously don't know the outcome or the context of this whether but you know if you assume that it was a coach who gave it to her, is there some kind of parallel that can be drawn between like like a Mary Kane situation? Are there these these coaches in Kenya who are just you know feeding steroids to these kind of underage athletes? It's if that's little, the story that comes out, which very well could be the case, um, that is disgusting, mm -hmm. and that that coach should be banned for life yeah. uh, because you are abusing a child uh, because it's you know. 
performance enhancing drugs quite often have very serious adverse effects. I mean, we've talked about this before on the show with uh, other performance enhancing drugs that we've discussed that have like, in some cases, lethal effects over time. So the complicated fact, sorry to interrupt, the comp- complicated too, thing too here is, you know, a 17 year old may be looking at getting a scholarship in the NCAA. And you know, the narrative in Kenya is if you can run fast, you get an opportunity, you get to go to the States, you get to run big races, make a lot of money. Let's hope that didn't and maybe, factor into and, the decision. And maybe become an American as well, which has happened. You know, there's there been Get quite a few yeah. citizenship stories in the last number of years. So mm-hmm. anyway, moving on for now. Mm-hmm. Last topic. And if you are not Canadian, we sincerely apologize for inserting this CanCon in here. Uh, but we kind of had to because it's a big deal for us here. Uh, the Canadian cross-country championships are this weekend are today if you're listening to this on saturday and we don't yet know the results so we're speculating uh and you'll get to laugh at us when you listen to this because we'll get our our prognostications our predictions will be all off i'm sure but let's talk a little bit about it it's in abbotsford bc this year uh andrew it moved from it's uh, home over the last four years, I believe it was, in Kingston, Ontario. It was a great course in Fort Henry, this sort of exposed course. And now we're going to be out in the West Coast for the next few years. Uh, who are the favorites in the... We'll just talk about the senior races because uh, we don't have very much time here. So who are the who are the favorites in the, in the women's race? Uh, well, we've got Genevieve Lalonde, who is the returning champion. Um, and then there's, there's a whole bunch of other runners who are looking pretty good you've got victoria coates you've got sasha gallish you've got natasha wodak um regan Yee, sarah inglis as well who who isn't canadian but maybe could throw throw a wrench in there mm-hmm. um so you've got lots of lots of impressive runners but but surprisingly it's it's not a huge field there are only 50 entries in the women's side this year yeah and i wonder if that is in part just because of the travel considerations of getting out to the west coast of canada i mean if you're not Canadian and have never been to Canada before, like our country, our country is essentially a continent. So it's, uh, it's tough to get out there and, um, there are different levels of funding available. Um, uh, but I, I think it, it's a lot of it comes down to you just, um, going on your own dime. So you're not going to see the world class athletes from Canada. Like we're not going to see Mo Ahmed, um, Alex, we're not going to see some of these uh, top tier. We're not going to see a lot of the people, a lot of the marathon runners that usually fill out this field because quite a few of them competed this fall to try to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics. So, um, what's your what's your read on the men's side? Yeah, well, like you kind of said, there's um, we're missing a few big names. List of emissions quickly. Charles, uh, Charles Philibertz, Boudou, Reed Coolsat's not going to be there. Mohamed's not going to be there. Ben Flanagan's not going to be there. Justin Knight's not going to be there. But who that is, who is, is going to be there? <laughs> but uh, it's good. It, it kind of opens up the doors for some others who uh, are maybe a bit uh, not forgotten, but we haven't seen many of, of these guys this year, and maybe they can uh, they can mix it up. I have five names here uh, who I think deserve the most attention. Started with Luke Brichet. Okay. He's last year's champion. I believe he's a two-time champion. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he would be probably one of the, 
He's probably the favorite. We got Mike Tate, who recently, well, not even recently anymore. He's been in Canada for over a year now, uh, did his undergrad at Southern Utah University. Word on the street is he's very fit right now. Oh. Mm-hmm. Ben word, on the, word on the street as in you talked to him and he said, I'm really fit right now. That is the literal word on the street. Yes. Yes. Um, ben Preisner, he just dropped the quietest 6308 half marathon in the history of right. Canada. Right. I forgot there you go. I forgot yeah, about that. Exa- yeah. Well, you were busy commentating on the marathon. That's right. Uh, snuck it in there. You kind of fell um, next to the, the, the kind of got lost in the Trevor Hoffbauer spotlight, but 6308 for Preisner. He's a young guy. I think he's only 23 years old. So oh, yeah. look out for him. Uh, Rob Watson, the marathoner that your dad <laughs> talks about. Fade from the front. <laughs> he was the, he had blog on tracky before it was cool. Uh, he's back out there. I think he's living out in BC. So it's he close is, to yeah. home for him. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see him. He's always a gamer. Uh, and Rob Deneau, I think deserves an honorable mention just for his 1500 meter time. I think he's under, under 340 uh, guy. So I think those five guys are, are the favorites. I love how you threw Robbie Watson in as a favorite there. He's going to love that if he hears this. I mean, you can't not. He's, he's, a, he's a big name. He's. I mean, if he is fit, he is a you know an accomplished marathon runner, ran world championships in Moscow yeah. in, in the marathon. And I keep remembering uh, the cross-country championships in which he just flew ahead of the Oh, whole he took field. it out super hard yeah. against like a huge field of <laughs> one of the deepest fields, I think, ever and mm. led most of the race. Mm. Um, not all of the race, but led most of it. Yeah. Um, okay guys, let's, uh, let's do bold predictions here. Um, Andrew women's side, men's side, who's winning and then give us a dark horse pick, uh, apart from the winner for each men and women. Oh, I feel like this is too, too commonplace, but it's hard to go against Jen Lalonde. I mean, she's, you know, she's an Olympian and she's, she's fit. Well, has been fit in the past. I, I don't really know her, her state at the moment, but um, she's last year's champ, um, so it'd be hard to hard to argue against her. I think uh, Dark Horse, though, on the women's side, I'm kind of pulling for Victoria Coates a little bit. Um, I, you know, she she actually did some some writing for us a little while ago, not with the yeah. UCU, but but some other stuff, and uh, she also ran. She dropped a pretty good half marathon recently, I think. So I could see her uh, maybe sneaking in there, yeah, maybe possibly. taking the win, hopefully. Absolutely. Um, and then on the men's side, I, I'm defaulting to the same thing. It's hard hard to go against Luke Bruchette as uh, as the defending champ. Um, him and I are kind of in the same same age bracket. I I, I almost took him down in an 800 actually as, oh a, as a junior athlete. Coulda, shoulda, would have claimed Andrew. to fame. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> almost what's yeah. what's almost? Did I, I could I have almost taken him down too? Well, as he laps me. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were on the track at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then dark horse, I I throw it out to. I mean, this one more just because I really like the guy, but Rob Dino. Um, you know, he's got that that. 1500 meter speed who knows i mean i probably won't carry over 10k but i i just i'm a fan of the guy alex um women's side men's side winner and dark horse pick all right um let's start with the women's side oh i feel so basic saying this but i can't give it to anyone other than genevieve we got we got that atlantic canadian connection and she's a new brunswicker right she's a new brunswicker i'm a pei er um we're both acadian that's right so, but really, besides all that, she's been running so well. Um, she was dominant last year. If she shows up like she did last year, um, no one's going to be Genevieve. Victoria Coates, 
will be a pretty good candidate as well to maybe pull an upset. I always I always feel embarrassed when I think of Victoria Coates because I remember doing an interview with her a couple years ago and I and we laughed about this. But I asked her, "What do you do for a living?" She says, "I'm an urban planner." I said, "Oh, urban planet, nice." Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, what's an what's an urban planet? What did you think an urban planet was? Oh, you don't know what urban planet is? Yeah, clothing store. It's no, it's it's like a crappy clothing store. Oh. And I was sure she said she's I work like, at like, urban planet. She's like, so. I work at urban planet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so okay. the disclaimer: Victoria Coates does not work at urban, urban planet. planner. No, she's an urban planner. Not so. that there's anything wrong with people who do work at, at urban yeah, planet. Retail is totally respectable. <laughs> so that's the woman. Uh, men. I'm going to go with Mike Tate for the win. Oh. Mike Tate told me he's fit, and he doesn't say that when he's not fit. He's honest with himself. I think uh, last year he was second to Brochet. Of course, I'm saying this to be bold. Brochet is going to be tough to beat. Mm-hmm. But I think Mike has has some kind of potential in his legs to, to pull an upset, and I'm going to pick him for the win. As my dark horse... <sighs> We've already gone on about Robin Watson. I'll throw it to uh, a friend, Connor Black. He's Good been one. quietly running well. I think he won the Athletics Ontario Championships this year. He's a gamer. He won the U Sport Championship in 2018. Dealt with injury on and off. But when he's on, he's very strong. So, you know, can he pull off the win? I think that could be a bit tough. But could he find himself in the top three or five when no one else predicted it? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think we could expect a good one from Connor. So on the women's side, I'm going with my girl, Tasha Wodak. Oh. She's done this before. She's a great cross-country runner. She is the 10,000-meter Canadian record holder. Uh, this distance uh, bodes well for her. And it's also more or less home turf because she's a West Coast girl, so this is not going to be a big travel experience for her going up to over to Abbotsford. So I'm picking her for the win. And uh, Dark Horse, I mean, I hate to, you guys kind of stole my move here, but Victoria Coates, that's what, that was my pick too, because she's... The three-time Dark Horse. Yeah, not so dark, Dark Horse here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just like the way she runs. She's super tenacious. Uh, she's somebody who doesn't give up in a tough race and will claw her way back into contention. Um, and I think cross-country is really all about that kind of mental game, so... I think that she will do quite well. And uh, as Andrew pointed out, she's pretty fit and she ran a really good half recently. So I think that that points to really, really good strength and endurance, uh, which is which is needed at this distance in this event. So on the men's side, I'm totally chickening, chickening out and going uh, Luke Brochet as well. Uh, he's an Olympian. Uh, he's really good at this uh, particular uh, event as well, uh, being a two-time champion. So I'm going with him and my dark horse, my dark horse is actually going to be Mike Tate, um, which is not such a dark horse because he's probably two or three ranked in this. Uh, if you were to do a rankings, I think he's probably ranked second or third, but he, I think he could win. And, and if I were forced to pick a, a, a legit dark horse, Chris Bellastrini, because mm-hmm. he's got that marathon fitness, He's very um, a very focus-driven guy. I imagine if he's on this start list, it's because he's maintained his training after uh, running a marathon in October. And I know he's probably, you know, a little bit unsatisfied with that marathon result. I know that he, I think, wanted a little bit more. So could, he could be interesting. He could some, be somebody who comes in with, with some fitness, as long as he intelligently recovered, which I imagine he did. He's a very methodical guy. He's uh, studying medicine, I believe, so... 
knows the body well. Mm-hmm. And one little shout out before, um, I, I think just the, the, I mentioned Connor Black, you mentioned Chris Ballastrini, the whole London Backroads Bandits team in general, I think is going to make some noise. So you got Ballastrini, you got Black, uh, Josh Lumani, Phil Padumiga, Jack Sheffer and company. They got, they got a whole, they have a whole lot of young guys who are hungry. I it's think, cool. uh, which is really cool. Yeah. They got a cool little group there. So I think, uh, they could, they could uh, populate the top 10 and top 14. We went on for way too long about Canadian cross country, yeah, but this was supposed to be 10 minutes I, total, but, uh, that was 10 minutes on its own. Uh, our apologies, but we're, we're excited about it. All right. That's it for this week and for the month of November. Um, if you do not already make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, it's the xc.substack.com. It's completely free comes out weekly you also receive a link to this podcast and other podcasts as well and be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our uh, mothership podcast the xc podcast uh everywhere where you can get and listen to your podcasts so apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and so on and so forth uh thanks for listening